how should we as Christians think about love for one's country? How does patriotism fit with our Christian faith? Does it fit at all? And how does that relate to a practical implication like our responsibility in the voting process? Jed and I will discuss all this and more on today's episode. Let's talk about Christianity and patriotism. So we're going to talk through, we have some random notes with bullet points, and we're just going to talk through our outline. Sounds good to me. So when we talk about patriotism, it's kind of a, well, it's, it's all, I guess it's always been a hot topic, but it's kind of a hot topic. For bad reasons. For bad reasons, especially <laughs> today. Uh, how would you define patriotism off, off the top of your head? I would define it as a love for country. Yeah. In basic terms. So I looked up uh, a couple sites, um, articles about Christians being patriotic, and gotquestions.org, which is actually in general a really good site. Um, They lean evangelical as opposed to fundamentalist, um, which in general means sometimes they're off a little bit. Not as conservative as they could be. But in general, gotquestions.org yeah. is a really good site. And if you're not sure what fundamentalist versus evangelical <laughs> means, yeah. just stick around. Because we'll, we'll get to it eventually. We'll talk about that eventually. Not today. So gotquestions.org, in general, really good site. They have random answers, usually fairly short answers to tons of questions. I looked up, should a Christian be patriotic? And so the, the article starts, the answer to this question depends on the meaning of the word patriotic. As with many words, there are different nuances of meanings, uh, of meaning, and different people use the word in different ways. For example, at its simplest meaning, being patriotic simply means loving one's country. Right. So there you go. There we go. As long as that love for country does not supersede one's love for God, and if it is kept in proper perspective, there's nothing wrong with a Christian being patriotic. However... Another definition of patriotic implies that the individual should place the interests of the nation above his or her personal and group interests. Well, nah. what's... All right. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Uh, carried to this extreme, patriotism can become can become a form of idolatry, particularly if one's love for, the, for his country is greater than his love for God and God's plan of redeeming people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Okay, so as long as we don't put sure. uh, our nation and our nation's interests above our love for god right and as long as we don't put which is very tangible this is, this is such a very uh, yeah <laughs> black right. and white yeah easy exactly thing to say right uh, yeah it's easy to say but in practical terms mm-hmm. what does that actually look like right and even with the you know another definition of patriotic implies that the individual should place the interests of the nation above his or her personal and group interests well it's kind of a that's kind of a canned way to word it depending on what you mean by that that's not always bad Right. You know, there's there's an aspect of honor that puts the interests of your country above your own interests. Yes. And that's that's a, a good aspect of patriotism, depending on what you mean by it. Right. So anyway, similarly, another article um, from Chalcedon.edu, which we'll talk about a little bit more as we move forward in other discussions, because in general... We're going to agree with a lot of their applications of things, but not how they get there. Anyway, they have an article on Christian patriotism, and it says, uh, If patriotism is love of one's country, it depends on the nature of that country. Most nations today are tied to a land and a race, though somewhat less, than, less so 
than 100 years ago. This is true of Europe and Asia. Patriotism is bound up in blood and soil. Italians, Russians, Chinese, and, and Indians love their nation, its race, its location, its land, and its history. If they're Christians, they can legitimately appreciate the providence of God in their nation's history and admire their nation to the extent that it follows or followed God's truth. Compounding matters, however, is the fact that most nations are tied up intimately with civil governments, though it doesn't have to be this way. To speak of the nation of France implies not just the French people, but the political state that governs French territory. This is the problem of patriotism. You love your country, but you may just mistrust your government. Still, you can love and appreciate your country and its heritage as a precious gift from God. So I think that's a good yeah. summary of uh, what we might say. Love of country does not necessarily mean right. adoration of and support of every single thing that exactly. my government does. Right. So I run into people that refuse to sing God Bless America because what is America doing that's good? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but when you, Which when kind you of, look at the lyrics of the song... kind of misses the whole point of exactly. the song. The song is asking more, God is to bless America. Attitude. Right, so... And the and the point is that you can <laughs> that you can't separate them out. You, you can you can absolutely separate it out. You can say, "I, I love this country," right? Yet right, I believe right. we are making decisions as a nation, as a country, uh, that are taking us into to sinful or I would say societal ills. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're, we're going right. we're going the wrong way. Uh, Toby Sumter says in his blog, "Having two legs." Give thanks for the real America, the true America, the one on your street, in your home, on your back porch. Christian patriotism is just simple gratitude for those particular moments and gifts. It's a gratitude that sees the, the true America sparkling in the eyes of your wife, so you hold on to her and kiss her like you mean it. It's a gratitude that hears the America and the laughter of your family and friends and on a sweaty patio with Johnny Cash roaming in the background. It's the gratitude that smells the true America and the smoke and sunscreen and wheat-tinged air. It's a gratitude that feels true, the true America, as your hand plays with the wind as you drive down the back roads lined with amber rolling hills. And his whole point in saying that is, and he just went through tearing apart why you shouldn't have America as an idol, his point is that you can still enjoy our country. You can still enjoy okay, parts of our country. So why do Christians often get squirrely about that? Well, the reason that we get squirrely about that is because we have a, a strong sense of, of kingdom language from the Bible, from the New Testament specifically. Uh, and I think the kingdom language really throws people off. And as we've seen just recently with the, a lot of, of Reformed folks that are theonomists are coming to the front uh, of a lot of things. That they're, they're getting a lot of people more interested uh, in their, their areas. Um, it, yeah, so I think it's the kingdom language. It's the idea of of, of, of of citizenships. So, um, you know, a lot of people are popular. Okay, so the point is, yeah, uh, we are citizens of heaven, heaven. first, whatever right. that means. We're citizens of heaven first. Right. Therefore, uh, putting our citizenship of our earthly nation in the in in the correct proportion to that right. is the question. Right, but people take it so far as to say. That we shouldn't even be patriotic because this place is not our home. We are not citizens. Our, our right, citizenship right. in the kingdom of God is so much more important, so much higher than our citizenship here, mm. that we should focus on the spiritual right. and really leave the physical aspects behind. Right. 
And that's what that Toby Sumter yeah, is getting at. Right. So maybe we so, should just... So part of it is, well, even looking at it from a further back uh, principle standpoint, part of the issue is that there are three possible responses to blessings. Guilt, greed, or gratitude. Okay. Guilt, greed, or gratitude. This is true of in every discussion we have, as we get into the discussion of the the social gospel type right. stuff, the social justice issues, it's a it's a misapplication of or or it's they're pushing for the wrong <laughs> affection response right. to uh, to privilege, to blessings that I've had in my life. If I if I was born in a non-broken home with two <laughs> parents that raised me well and I got to go to college, you know, if I was blessed in those ways, right? well, the social justice route tends to say you ought to feel guilty for that. Right. Well, biblically speaking, we ought to feel gratitude <laughs> for that, right? Right. So even that issue comes into play when we talk about patriotism that oftentimes people just recoil so so strongly right. from from love of country because we feel guilty about feeling any loyalty or any right. appreciation of anything other than our citizenship in Christ's kingdom. Right. And, and it's so much easier, I think, for conservative Christians especially to just say, let's just chuck it. Or any Christian yeah, that doesn't right. like doesn't like what's going on. So, oh my goodness, look at what our leaders are, are going towards abortion or a social justice warrior is uh, is now going to take office uh, in my area. You know what? I'm just going to back out. I'm going to, I'm going to chuck it. We're going to, we're going to back out of, of being a part of the system and just ignore it. And I'm just going to yeah. focus on the spiritual aspect of, of the kingdom of my citizenship and, and forget that I'm in this country. Cause I, this country is just, it's, it's made me mad one too many times and I can't stand the politics. Of well, it. right. <laughs> Recoil and withdraw withdrawal is almost always the easier option. Right. And so it tends to be the more attractive option, even when you, even if you couch it in different language, it's always going to be easier to to withdraw from engagement with real life. Right. <laughs> which is why, which is why we, you know, we're talking about Christianity and patriotism. Well, why does it matter? Well, because you can't actually escape right. real life. No. We we live as citizens of an earthly nation. For us, and almost certainly most of our listeners, it's, it's America. Right. Um, for us, it's, it's uh, we live in Pennsylvania. Right. We're citizens of Pennsylvania. We're citizens of the United States. And we have to function as such. Right. So we have to think through, why does this matter? Well, because it's part of our everyday life. So we talk about the issue of citizenship, and we tend to emphasize, uh, we meaning the Christians that we're talking about, that tend to really recoil from... Uh, emphasis of of the of our earthly nation citizenship. Right. The issue is that biblically speaking, Christians are called to be good citizens of the of the earthly kingdom in which they reside. Right. Um, and that's that's kind of the the biblical way to speak about it. And and so we'll probably talk about it that way: um, earthly kingdom versus heavenly yeah. kingdom yeah, or Christ kingdom versus the kingdom we're in right now or something like that right. when you know we recognize okay we don't live in a kingdom we don't um, right. some people do it's not what we call it. <laughs> you know we yeah, don't call it a kingdom. our political system but our but the concept yeah, is our civil the, the the state in which we reside the um 
yeah, the body politic that we are citizens of in the current age is, uh, you know, we, we, a common way to refer to it is the, is to make a distinction between our citizenship is in heaven, but we also have a, an earthly citizenship in the kingdoms of this world. Right. Right. The nations of this world. So we have, we have a very real citizenship in America. So how do we interact with that citizenship in light of, in a very real way, we have dual citizenship. Right. Um, we yeah. have citizenship in Christ's kingdom, but we're also, also we're also very in a very real, obvious way. We are still citizens of uh, Pennsylvania. We're still citizens of America, and so how do we interact with that? Well, scripturally speaking, over and over and over again, Christians are commanded to be good citizens yep. of whatever uh, nation you reside in. Absolutely. Um, this is true of this is true in the Old Testament during uh, during times of exile. The Israelites, while they, which might be a, an okay comparison, Israelites considered themselves Israelites. They considered Israel their primary citizenship, but while in exile, they were uh, well. At different times, they were usually not citizens of the of the kingdom they were in in exile. But think of like Daniel uh, or somebody somebody like that. Yeah. Um, they were also, in some sense, citizens of, they were yeah. at least subjects of, there's a distinction there between subjects and citizens, Right. Um, but they were at least subjects of a, another kingdom as well as yep. being Israelites. Yep. And so they had to figure out how to live in that tension. And the, and the God's instruction is always serve well as, as subjects of the kingdom that you reside in. Right. Be, upstanding citizens right and so the question is okay what does it look like to be upstanding citizens yeah in our context exactly and, and it's and in our country especially it is possible to do that i would say in most states uh in most scenarios without violating your other citizenship the, yeah the, right. the regulations the, the the boundaries necessarily yeah. that god places on us it, you can live as a citizen of this country without violating God's laws and right. you can live by God's laws and directives by his spirit right. in this country for now without violating laws here. And, yeah, and it's, it's the, getting worse, but right, I mean, right. but we have the privilege of doing that. And there may come a time where it's, it's less and less possible. And right. we can think of examples of, of Christians living in other countries right. where they can't absolutely fully submit to um, their governments. But, but they're still called to do. Uh, they're still called peaceably. to be. Uh, they, yeah, they're seek still called a quiet to be as, seek as much to, as they can. To live peacefully with all all men. They're called to they live, can. to live as upstanding citizens to the best of their ability. To yeah. they're still called to respect their governing authorities, right. even though they may have to disobey them. And that and that's not mutually exclusive. You know, yeah. um, the problem in this whole dis in the whole discussion of of our obedience to and our respect for. Um, our governing authorities in light of our service to God is that the problem in the discussion is that people are so quick to jump to the exceptions. Yes. And, and you know, it's, it's just like talking about marriage and we say husbands are to love their wives. Well, what if she's like this? Well, <laughs> why are you jumping straight to the exception? You right. Know? Right. Um, it's like the... The abortion issue. It's like the abortion issue. The well, big argument is... What about rape or what about... Incest. Uh, what about incest? Well, okay. okay. First of all, why are you just jumping straight right. to the exceptions? Right. 
Secondly, there is an answer to that. Right. We'll talk about abortion in another yeah. episode. It, yeah. Or the other side of the marriage issue, you know, um, of wives. Respect and, and submit to your husbands. Right. <laughs> well, you don't know my husband. Everyone's well, wh- well, what if what if my husband is a brute? You right. know, okay, well, God was aware that there were men who right. are like that when, he's, yeah. when he gave that instruction. Right. So jumping to the exception, just to yes. get rid of the whole argument right. isn't really the way to go. Right. But all that to say, the exception does exist. And you see it like in Acts with Peter and, is it Peter and John? Uh, who get arrested um, because they're preaching Christ, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're told not to. And they say, well, we must obey God right. rather than man. Yes. Well, so the principle is certainly in place. The exception yeah. stands that, yes, you obey your governing authorities unless they're forbidding something that God clearly commands you to do. Right. So the paradigmatic example of that would be Daniel. So the decree goes out that you are not to pray to any other god. Mm-hmm. And at noon, as is his custom, yeah. Daniel <laughs> goes to his inner room yeah. and kneels down, opens the window, and prays. Yeah. So if government forbids something that's clearly commanded by God, right? Uh, then yes, you you still do it because God's authority supersedes um, that wrongful prohibition of government. If government commands you to do something that God clearly forbids, right? Then also, okay, that's a standing exception. Right. So what would be an example of that? Uh, an example of that would be something like in the would be the prior laws in China about the number of children you you can have. Yeah. If you get pregnant um, with a, a third child or whatever it is, right. then you have to abort it. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be an example of where the government has given you a mandate um, that you must disobey. Right. Um, so anyway, so that exception stands. So, and we, with that exception, and with our, with the general rule of our submission to government, it's all under the the umbrella of we serve Christ. Yep. And He has commanded us to keep submitting to governing authorities. So we we render respect and honor and uh, obedience to our governing authorities. Yep. First and foremost, because God has told us to. Right. Um, no, I think that's good. So we've got... Oh, so this. So my point was yeah. um, that as we talk about citizenship, that that's, that's where people are going to go with the citizenship discussion. Is, right. Well, but we're citizens of Christ's kingdom first. Right. Well, sure. And it supersedes... But their argument is... And, and their argument is it supersedes it my that, citizenship to... It absolutely to, supersedes. Yeah. Okay, well, sure, but he still commands you to obey and respect the, the governing authorities. Yes. Now, there are limitations. All right, so we have an exception yeah. for, uh, because if they if it goes against the commands of God, right. we must obey God rather than man. There's also There are also limitations built into the way that nations function, or, right. or the way that nations are structured. So this is where we get into the discussion of, constitutional issues yeah right. if, it, if a judicial decision is rendered yes <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Uh, unconstitutionally well it, it has no authority right it might be backed up by coercive power right but it has no actual authority right and and we see this 
just recently come to play um, on the CNN panel with uh, Santorum, Rick Santorum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Rick Santorum. Como. 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 And uh, and I'm not sure who the other person was. Yeah, yeah. But you see that come into play where they're, they get to a point in the conversation where they're, they're literally grasping at, at things, is what it seems like right, from, the, from right. the pro-life perspective. Right. And Santorum is, is telling them, biologically, this is, this is a child. Right. Every biology book at conception it says, uh, man and a woman do this, it makes a baby, right. and, it makes a human. It, and the baby is a human. And, and the, the woman on the CNN panel says, it's not a legal human. Right. It's not. Yeah, a, exactly. It's not a legal. Right. And I don't have it in front of me, but essentially, she says it's not legal. Yeah, human. not legal. And then, and then, of course, Como chips in. Yeah, he says he that's says a, it's thing. a biological fact, and she says it's not a legal fact. It's not a legal fact. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. So we see that that kind of stuff that and that goes to the constitutional issue. Even back to Roe v. Wade, uh, Ben Shapiro just released uh, Daily Wire today or yesterday, talking about how. In no way is is a reproductive right a constitutional right. No way is a, oh, right. a yeah, abortion right. a constitutional right. So that that's an a, an example of uh, of what you were just talking about. What else did you want to talk about about citizenship? What what else were you thinking about that? I guess it goes more into the kingdom, is what I was okay. thinking. So, so if we're going to go into, into the Do you want to chase the, the rabbit trail right now? <laughs> yeah, let's chase the rabbit trail right now. All right, folks, <clears throat> this is how it's going to work. We're going to go down a rabbit trail. You're not going to have access to it. You cannot follow us down the rabbit trail. <laughs> you're, you're not allowed to follow us down the rabbit trail unless you go to our Patreon account and become a supporter. And if you become a supporter on Patreon at any level, you'll have access to um, our rabbit trails. Uh, if you give up one latte a, a month, you can become a supporter on Patreon. www.patreon.com slash terminmedia. Patreon.com slash T-E-R-M-O-N media. Uh, Patreon.com slash terminmedia. And you can, if you become a supporter, become a, a patron, of ours on there, um, you'll have access to our rabbit trails. We're going to chase the rabbit trail talking about the issue of our citizenship in Christ's kingdom. Well, what does that mean? Is Christ's kingdom right now? Or is it something that we're waiting for? Is it something geographically distant in heaven that one one day we'll go to when we die? Right. Or is it something that's coming on earth progressively? Or is it something that's coming on earth totally in the future? post-mill versus all-mill versus pre-mill and how that affects everything. That's what we're going to talk about down the rabbit trail. So we already talked about going backwards, uh, not going backwards, stepping away from the political realm. Yeah. So so getting freaked out um, 
not wanting to get involved, saying, well, <laughs> my Christianity, my faith, the church should be separate from right, the state. Right, right, it right. it, it oh, shouldn't be. So so there's there's two extremes in right, my mind. Right, exactly. So you, you do the... They're pushing against. Yeah. What the, you call the Benedict Option, not the book. Yeah. Uh, but, but like a Benedictine monk, separating yourself totally from the world to right. focus on God. So you go hyper-spiritual with the kingdom idea and you say no my focus is on my citizenship in the kingdom of christ i am not even going to think about america my state i i don't want to be involved with that and we're seeing that now to the point where people are saying they hate our country all right while they enjoy the wonderful freedoms we right, have exactly um or um what yes you see that but even and even more common is just the the attitude of it doesn't matter i don't care yes you know i, right. I don't care right I don't care. So, I don't care at all who gets elected. The primaries just happened here. Yeah, right. Uh, for our local elections, mm -hmm. and um, we know someone who works at the polls. Well, it's your mother, my mother. And <laughs> my, uh, my mother is a judge of elections. <laughs> she's a judge of elections, and it was towards the end of the day. I went after work, so it was like five thirty. Yeah. And it, it, she said it was about three hundred people. There are twelve hundred people registered yeah. to vote in oh, our district. Yeah. Right. And we're in separate districts. So my district is rural. I'll give it that. But 350 out of 1,200, those are rough estimates, Yeah, is ridiculous. And local elections affect you directly so much more than national elections. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The change happens quicker. It's more responsive. Uh, we, have it, we have it totally upside down. We, we have it totally upside People down. People ought to care so yes. much more about who their mayor and their sheriff are. Yes, than who Absolutely. their president is. Yes. Or who and you're... that's so offensive to people. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> but you should care more about who your governor is of your state yeah. than You than should who care who your local you, you know, municipality judges are more than the Supreme Court judges. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, because it uh, affects your life more immediately. So much more. And, and it's healthier for your community if you yeah. focus on what was right. around you. So this is another rabbit trail, which we will go down, but not right now. Okay. <laughs> Let's not do it. So the other extreme I want to talk about. Yeah. We see yeah, the yeah. people that pull out of it. I don't care. I don't want to talk about it. I'm not right. voting because it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Which, by the way, just to make a point about that, uh, you, you see that, <clears throat> that that pretty much will come up at every election. Yes. Right? Yes. Every election, you'll have people who are the extreme that we're about to talk about of uh, caring an inordinate amount um but you in every election you see people who are just like well i don't i don't care don't it care. doesn't matter yeah we ought not care right um and and part of the so just to make a quick point about it one of the problems with that attitude is that you're actually failing to properly love your neighbor yes when you don't care at all who your who your mayor is right uh, right for us, our in Pennsylvania, um, it's weird townships thing. Uh, yeah, we. So I'm, I'm trying hard to understand Jed, it. Jed, Jed is trying here. to learn the ways of Pennsylvania. My township, there's not even a town. There's it's, literally not a town, and I I live in a township. Right, a right, town. right. There's yeah. a township building. We uh, in another town. Yeah, we it's, have. It's confusing. <laughs> we have jurisdictional districts called townships. Townships um, that are. Yeah, it's somewhat unique. I think uh, Pennsylvania might be entirely unique in this. Yeah. I think there's one or two other states that have something called a township. I think, um, I think maybe New Jersey. But, but anyway, in our so in my township, we have three township supervisors. And those township supervisors yeah. function as the mayor. Yeah. So so think mayor. 
And now the city of, of Erie, we live in Erie County, and the city of Erie has a mayor. Yeah. The, the city of Erie has a mayor. But the individual, the, the townships also, so within Erie County, there's the city of Erie, but there's also towns like Waterford. There's also townships like Elk Creek and Fairview and Girard. Um, the townships have supervisors. Right. And usually it's three. And, and but, but uh, functionally speaking, they're, they're, they're like the mayor, but there's three of them. Anyway, all that to say, um, uh, one of our, uh, a member of my church is, um, is one of our township supervisors. When you say that you don't care at all who your supervisor or your township supervisors are, or who your local judges are, right. or who your mayor is, or who your sheriff is, when you say that you don't care at all about that, well, you're not fully loving your neighbor in the sense of that I really care who my supervisors are because I care about what happens in my community. Yeah. I care about the quality of life and and the the justice and the peace that is afforded myself, my family, right. and my neighbors. Um so I so I ought to care. <laughs> yeah. Who my sheriff is, who my supervisors are, yeah. who my uh, county council is who my governor is. You better care, because they yeah. they're in charge of <laughs> of keeping justice and peace right. in your community. Right, and, and with the way things are going in, in communities, and, and we're a bit more rural, especially yeah. me. My right. my township is, right. is rural, like I said before. And so the problem is when people are like oh, I'm not going to go vote. I heard this the other day at work. It's just the primaries. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, so you don't right. give your opinion on... Which, hey, if you're it, a Republican and there, yeah. there's one <laughs> to three Republicans running for it and you and yeah. and you don't have an opinion about yeah. which Republican wins, and, well, okay. Yeah, and the rural areas, everybody's cross-filing to run for both, uh, which, yeah, is, exactly. which is allowed by our laws, our ordinances, right. like but even, countywide. But so. even so, there's going to be something that there is. that's worthwhile to vote So, for. so here's anyway. the deal, and this is another point to you're not loving your neighbor. If, if you and your neighbor are both let's say conservative, and you both really want certain things to happen in your community, whether it's uh, better use of taxes, less taxes, it, whatever it's going to be, uh, not funding a community college <laughs> right. when there's already five other colleges in yeah. the county, which yeah. is something we're dealing with here. Uh, <laughs> but there's there are people who, who will say, well, oh, yeah, that is important, or you'll get them to agree like, yeah, I think that's foolish. Oh, yeah, like I think that tax that they're proposing is really stupid. But then in the next breath, they're going to say, I'm not going to vote. My oh, vote doesn't right. count. Right. Well, sure, your vote doesn't count if you don't if you don't put it yeah. in. Right. If you don't vote, then your vote doesn't count. Right. When you vote, your vote actually does matter. It does Which, count. you know, this is probably where you were going. The 2016 presidential election yes, is the, is a, is the is prime example. Great of outworking of what I was just saying. So our, in the 2016 presidential election... As, as you probably know, um, Pennsylvania, along with several other states, Pennsylvania has voted, has gone Democrat f- since 1980 or 1984. Yeah, it's, uh, it was the s- 80s. Somewhere in there. It was the early 80s. Since then, Pennsylvania has been a solid um, blue state. Erie County, where we live, uh, has been solidly Democrat. Yeah. And, and Jed's district, which I used to live in, Jed's district um, used is is often democrat yeah. um but 
the statistics he gave about you know 300 people, 350 people out of 1,200 coming to vote is pretty much how the elections go in yep. his district. Well, in the 2016 election, it was like well over 900 people that showed up in his district. The district went Republican. Yep. Uh, similar phenomenon happened across Erie County. Erie County went Republican. Same thing happened across the counties in Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania went Republican. And it was a totally unsuspected uh, a swing of Pennsylvania to go to President Trump. Well, why do you think that happened? Well, because a whole bunch of individuals who normally don't think their vote counts actually went out and voted. That, that, that's, how, that's how the elections are supposed to work. Right. So now that we've talked about uh, people that want to back out of, of politics, people that want to back out and they want to claim that their spiritual uh, kingdom, their spiritual citizenship uh, trumps all, and they really are, are backing out, I think we should absolutely address the opposite extreme, where people are essentially intertwining their patriotism with their faith. And you get a lot of this right. with the folks who are very ardent that every founding father was a Christian. Yeah, this is and, definitely going to be more common on the right. It is, right? it is. It, it's mostly holdouts the within right. the conservative yeah. uh, arena and within the church. Yeah. Um, to the point where people, and this is the main problem that we're going to address it as, it becomes idolatry. Right, right. Um, I, I, I don't know how much you want to say to that. We could probably talk about this for, <laughs> we could go on a little bit. But it's pretty obvious that it, it almost, it sits the wrong way with you. When, when people are lumping things together that shouldn't be lumped together. Yeah, it's just the, the, you know, the idea that, um, that God has a, that America has a special place in God's heart. Exactly. And that kind of idea of, of, of tying and, you know, if you, it, it tends to come up in churches of like, you know, if, if you, if you don't want the American flag on the stage, then your, your devotion to Christ is questioned. You know, and that's the that's the right. issue. That's the incorrect. Be looking for a rabbit trail on that topic soon. Right, that's the incorrect connection to make. Right, if if I have tied so closely together um, love for country and love for God that uh, that I can't imagine that somebody could be less patriotic than me right. and still be devoted to Christ. Exactly. Uh, it's a good indication that this may have yeah. become a bit of an idol to you. Right, right. Yeah, um, I, I've been in those situations during either, it was either a Bible study or a men's retreat where, you know, we're discussing something eh, not super theological, but something about Christ, about his kingdom. Mm -hmm. and, and one guy, all he could keep bringing up was current political things and right. trying to tie them to it. To the point yeah. where the, the pastor who was helping run that literally took him aside, and I was nearby. And I heard him talking to him about how it's problematic that he's tying these things so closely together. Yeah. Um, and that's the example of what, where you see it. It, it, right. it. It's hard because there's a lot of passionate people that are passionate yes. patriots right. and passionate Christians. And a lot of times it's easy to mix them up. Because right. we do believe God blessed this nation. We do believe God is using right. this Absolutely. nation for, right. for certain things at a certain right. time and point in history. But we don't view... We would not view America as uh, as God's chosen nation 
you know, in an analogous sense to Israel, or right. that, or that America. So we we don't replace sense, Israel. Uh, yeah. America hasn't replaced right, Israel. right, or the church. Yeah, America is not uh, is not a, a client nation of God um, and that kind of that kind of idea. The problem is that often what happens is that just like when you talk about when Christians come to Calvinism, um, right. you can often you can often ask them what was a not what is theologically more important to you but uh what what was a more impactful more emotionally meaningful experience right what had a more indelible impact on you coming to christ or coming to calvin right a surprising it's, amount of people will say coming to calvin it's telling if they're if they're honest yeah that's how a lot of people uh, that's that's a similar phenomenon right. with Americanism yeah. and Christianity. It, it, it might it might help to phrase it this way: Do you get the same thrill singing about Christ exactly. right. on a Sunday morning right. that you do when you pledge your allegiance to the flag, or you right. you sing "God Bless America" on on Fourth of July? Right. Because essentially, you're, you're celebrating our country, you're celebrating the establishment of it. And when mm-hmm. you go to church, when you celebrate the Passover communion. Those things are celebrating the establishment of the church. We set aside that day one that day once a week, right, right, for the the church to, to celebrate who we are in Christ. Right. Which one, like you just said, gets yeah. you more riled up? Which right. one? Which right. one do you enjoy celebrating more? Right. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't celebrate the Fourth of July. It is fantastic, right? Exactly. Or Memorial Day, right? So we're we're not saying don't do those things, right? <laughs> We're we're saying check your heart and see which which one of these things incites passion in you. Exactly. More passion. Yeah, because the issue is is just that that's a simple indication of of what has the strongest hold on your affections. Right. Um, and if something has a stronger hold on your affections than God, <laughs> that's uh, that's it's a clear indication of an idol. That's what we call idolatry. Right. Yes. <laughs> So, so there definitely is a very easy idolatry that is slipped into when you tie too closely together right. um, your patriotism and your and your Christian faith. Right. And this will this will come up for some of our listeners. Uh, this will come up as a as an easy, easy gauge to to tip you off that that you may be tying this too closely together if you become offended or you start to question right. our Christianity <laughs> as or we, our as patriotism <laughs> or our patriotism for that matter as we get into uh, more discussions about our political views right. uh, now we're we are raging vehement conservatives um, <laughs> but we are not really in any sense neoconservatives yeah. and so you'll yeah. you'll start to feel Very that distinction um, that will will definitely give you some tension, quite likely. Yeah, that being said, there there are two extremes. Balance them right. out. Find yeah. find the middle ground. And we really think that finding the middle ground means understanding where your citizenship lies and, and what that means right. um, in light of patriotism. Now, about voting. So we mentioned voting. Let's circle back around and, and go into a point of practical application. So uh, 
as we think about this is the application this is the application. for all that we've been talking about your citizenship patriotism this uh, well, this is uh, this going is a, going on the extremes of patriotism either not caring or caring too much so here's a, a sample application yes to, to give a to give one application of this whole discussion let's talk about voting a little bit paint me a picture please <laughs> so what at the highest level is our responsibility as Christians in the earthly kingdom to which we belong? So for our purposes, again, the current discussion, it's America. When we say earthly kingdom, of course, we understand we don't mean monarchy. We mean the nation that we're citizens. Right. What at the highest level is our responsibility? Um, well, our, our responsibility at the highest level is to be faithful ambassadors of the coming kingdom, and of the king who will establish his rule over all nations and one day demand their allegiance to him. But uh, with reference specifically to our interaction with the nation to which we belong during our earthly sojourn, the fundamental responsibility of the Christian is to conduct himself with honor as a good citizen of the nation that he's in, yes. uh, of the nation in which he resides. Absolutely. Um, so you see that in Jeremiah 29, 7, in Romans 12, 18, 1 Timothy 2, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 2. Um, Christians are commanded by Scripture to live as exemplary citizens yeah. in whatever nation they find themselves while uh, waiting ultimately for, that, for the kingdom that will bring perfect justice and peace to the whole earth one day. Right. In the meantime, we are called to be exemplary citizens. Well, Americans live under a unique constitution in which the American people have the position of uh, electors of their leaders. Right. Um, so, right, did you catch that, listeners? <laughs> voting is not actually simply a right we can exercise if we feel like it. Right. A, a privilege we can take advantage of whenever it's beneficial or convenient to do so. Right. Our position, our role in the governmental structure of the United States is that we have the responsibility of electing our leaders. In other words, uh, participating in the process of electing our leaders is a way, uh, is part of fulfilling our duty to our nation and our fellow man, taking responsibility for the care of our land and uh, obeying the imperative of Scripture that we act to the fullness of our capacity as good and honorable citizens. So I'm not advocating, to the other extreme, I'm, I'm not right. advocating a, a jingoistic sort of blind nationalism. Right. Um, not in the least. But I simply don't believe that abstaining from the election process is a legitimate option for the faithful Christian. Especially particularly in a country that's uh, not actually legally restricted to the two mainstream parties. You're yeah. not actually locked in not. to voting for a Republican or a Democrat. Right. Uh, for that matter, you can write somebody in if there's not a third party. But if running. I don't, my vote doesn't matter. It, which, okay, functionally speaking, that may sometimes be true. Right. 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 In the 2016 election, I think a third party vote in most states was yes. throwing away your vote. Yeah. Okay, so example of that, I was in Washington State. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I voted mostly Republican ticket. Mm -hmm. That did nothing. Washington yeah, State right, right. in no way was going yeah. for the current president. Which, it, it, it wasn't even close. Which, to my point... Um, but I did it anyway. Uh, which, yeah, to the 
to the argument that we're trying to make here, yeah. we would say it doesn't actually matter. Right. You may very well know that your state is going to go Democrat. Right. Well, it doesn't actually that doesn't actually affect your responsibility right. as an individual right. to be involved in the, in the voting in the election process. Um, the responsible Christian, I believe, has to take part in the election process. Yeah. Because, uh, and this is this is. Um, this is one of the differences between a subject and a citizen. A, a subject is just a, a, a member of the body politic right. um, subject to... Right. Uh, like a king's subject. The state. Yeah. Um, a citizen actually has a governmental function. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just don't think it's a... I don't think it's a possible option for a faithful Christian as someone right. who is called... By Christ to live as an exemplary citizen of, uh, an exemplary right. member of, the the nation in which he resides. Yeah. Um, in our particular constitutional con structure, um, I don't think that you can abstain from the voting. Yeah. The, the election. Right. Because it, it's not like you to your point before. It's not that that kind of. Oh, well, it's just a right I get to exercise. No, it's a responsibility that you should participate in. Right. It, it's something that's foundational to our country, uh, in summary of what he was just saying. It's foundational. It's something that you get to do and should do. And, and so you should go out and do it. And Christians that balk at this, that are already feeling the stirs of rebel, stirring of rebellion in their hearts, just at us talking about this... Yeah. Of wanting to throw off that authority and say, well, you can't make me do that, or you shouldn't even say that, because Christians, I have the right to even choose. That's what the Constitution's all about. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's not, because your responsibility is not tied to the outcome. You have the right. responsibility right. to right. do the right thing, that, no matter that, the that's outcome. That's a good way to word it. Your responsibility is not tied to it's the not. outcome. It's not. So I, it's tied to yes. your involvement in the pro right. your action. And in, in right. So when, when you're the only person, in the and imagine it this way, you're the only person in a corporation willing to say, I think this business practice is unethical. We should not right. be right. cutting hours this way, or we should not be treating contractors this way, or whatever it is. Right. You should stand up for the ethical practice, right. even though it's not going to change anybody's mind. And you may very At well any know level. ahead of time. And you it's know not it's not going to change his mind, and it's not going to change the policy. It's about taking a stand. And, and that's really what you're doing when you're going to vote. You're right. taking a stand. You're going to the poll, and you're saying, this, this is my <laughs> chance as a citizen to say what I want to say. Now, Jed. Yes. Does that mean that uh, it has nothing, that your responsibility in voting has absolutely nothing to do with the end result? You're going to take a stand on the moral rightness of, of the issue despite uh, the effectiveness of that. In other words, uh, do you think that if your options are a, a Nazi and a pervert, right. um, you know, do you think that, that you must not, in any circumstance, uh, vote for... The pervert. <laughs> no, I, I I disagree with that as uh, well. So so for example, you know, I'm using the extremes of <laughs> of the accusations of of uh, Clinton and Trump in the yes. 2016 election. Uh, right. You had a, a a morally and politically 
<laughs> totally distasteful option in right. Clinton. Right. And you had a politically ambiguous and morally distasteful option in Donald Trump. Right. And, and so, yeah. So you're kind of, yeah. you are kind of between a rock and a hard place. You are. So everybody's going to jump to, well, I'm taking a stand on what's on what's right. And Morally so I'm going right. to vote for right. you know, third so, party. So that, I would go back to your other point about hating your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Well, when you refuse to make your vote matter, if you can make it matter, yeah. you're also hating your neighbor. And, and, and that's not contradictory to what we were just right, talking right. about. It, yeah. It's not. Because when you when you decide to just say, well, I'm just going to smoke, I'm just going to vote for a pot-smoking doofus in right. the Green Party a, instead of instead of voting for one of these two candidates that have a chance right. or the one candidate that I know is going to follow somewhat conservative values... Right. Then, you know. Which, you know, listen, in America, uh, it's less and less so, but it's still very much the case that it's dominated by two parties. It you is. have two yep. options when it comes to the national I think we can split them four ways, but that's, that's um, a... I, it's getting close I to... I would me. absolutely love that. <laughs> yeah. You have, the, the Libertarian Party is is definitely growing. It's gaining some For that matter, the Green minute. Party is growing yeah. as a... As a uh, a progressive or left option. Who knows why? Um, right. And the Constitution Party is growing, um, although it's it's definitely behind the Libertarian Party. Yeah, I know. Um, but you have other parties as options, right? But the fact of the matter is, when it comes to the presidential election, and certainly was the case in 2016. Yeah. No, you had two options. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you yes. had. You did. Uh, you had Clinton or Trump. Right. Um, so I. And here's the other part to that discussion is I would argue that the responsibility of the Christian in the election is not actually to vote for the most moral, agreeable, or yes. Christian-y Agreed. candidate. Agreed. Um, but rather to vote for the candidate who will most effectively protect innocent life right. and punish evil. And that's a distinction from what and I And promote was... peace and tranquility. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, preserve the welfare of the nation. Yeah. But, you know, fundamentally, the the civil government's job is... Protect innocent life, punish the wicked. Right. And, and uh, so that's a distinction from what I was saying earlier, which is why you asked the question. When I say right. it, you go and you make a stand and you choose to do what's right, I'm not saying that it's a moral option every time. Right. It, so so the not. question is, okay, you, you could. so how can I possibly, as a faithful conservative Christian, how could I possibly vote for such a crude, immoral man as to whoever the option right. is? Right. And, and mm-hmm. my question back to you would be, well, what are the consequences if you don't? Exactly. So I, I don't think it comes uh, – well, also ultimately it comes down to your view of the Christian responsibility in voting. Right. So, so that's why I asked the question. Right. If you think um, that, that, your, that your responsibility in the, in the election process uh, is to only give your vote to someone who agrees with you on spiritual and moral issues, well uh, – or, or at the very least, at least loves God or, or is the – a moral and ethical candidate right. at least. Yeah. Um, well then, yeah, you're going to, you, you're, you'll be appalled at the notion that any good Christian could vote for a man like president Trump or right. you know, whatever. Right. But I think that the Christian's responsibility, uh, in our sojourn here in America, right. Is to seek the welfare of the nation. So Jeremiah 29, seven, seek the welfare of the nation in which yeah. you reside in exile. Right. So many people would respond, don't you think a good Christian man in office would be much better, assuming his competence, for the nation than a brash, crude, you know, unmoored unbeliever? 
Well, certainly. Maybe. Uh, I, uh, assuming his competence. Yes. I was about in, to point to... Uh, assuming his competence. Johnson, but... Uh, <laughs> I would absolutely agree yeah. that a, a Christian um, is will probably be better for the nation. Yes, I agree. Um, but is that good, competent Christian a legitimately available candidate? Right. In the sense that it would be actually possible for him to gain the 270 electoral votes needed to to win the election. Yeah. And I I don't know, but I I strongly don't think so. Mm-hmm. And regrettably so that it's not an option, but I I don't think that that's um America has become inextricably entrenched, not not necessarily inextricably, but but for now they are we are entrenched in the two-party system, which doesn't allow for the variety of positions that exist within the basic realms of conservative and liberal. Right. I wish there were there were more options, but at least in 2016, I would say probably 2020, it's it's it'll be the same case. Right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if eventually we get away from the two-party system, but uh, when there are only two realistically available candidates. Yeah. Um then my conscience would accuse me if I voted for a third-party candidate simply because I find both of them distasteful. Right. One of them is obviously a better choice for the welfare of the nation. Right. Right. I I don't think you can let yourself off the hook by just saying, well, they're really immoral. Yeah, which vote will be a more faithful expression of my love for my neighbor? I think that's a better question. And and this isn't black and white. We're not advocating for you can only vote for the two-party in the two-party system. We're not saying that you should do right. that. Yeah, exactly. We're saying, what is knowing what you know, now that we've talked through this, what patriotism means, citizenship, all that stuff, in the application, what what can you do to be fully responsible in the, the political system you are in? Right. And voting, we think, is one of the main things that you should be doing. Right. Uh, I, I would even say, don't approach... Because you're not going to, whether you say you are not. You cannot <laughs> uniformly approach uh, elections at the national, state, and local level the same. And you should oh, not right, approach. Right. So if you're if you're looking at the <laughs> the lesser of two evils, uh, which yeah. isn't the best way of stating it, for, for the presidential election, you shouldn't do that with, let's say, your governor or your state uh, representatives in Congress. Yeah, because I mean, it, you can probably... I mean, it'll depend on... It'll depend on the, it'll depend on the, the, the disparity between yes. the two. You know how yes. drastic of a difference it is. I agree. Um, it'll depend on the specific uh, policies that are up for grabs. Right. Um, so, for example, uh, if uh, in the next uh, gubernatorial election, right, um, if it's between uh, a totally progressive what we would call lefty Republican. Yeah. And our current governor, uh, Governor Wolf. Yeah. Um, I could find the Republican yeah. almost uh, as distasteful as yes. you could possibly imagine. I'll, yes. I'll vote for him. Yeah. yeah. Because we need Governor Wolf out of here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. So that when you have two candidates who have a legitimate chance at winning, yeah. we, we need to, I think we, we, ordinarily there may be exceptions 
the word ordinarily is is a very helpful word. Yeah. I think we ordinarily have the responsibility as faithful Christians and good citizens. We have the responsibility to vote for the candidate whose policies will most effectively preserve the welfare of the nation, protect innocent life, and punish evil, and provide for a tranquil and quiet life for us and for our neighbor, which is to be the aspiration of all men. But I think that that's our responsibility, to, to, to seek the welfare of our nation. So there it is. In recap, patriotism is important, and you should not go to one extreme or the other. We really think that your responsibility uh, as, a, as a believer, um, one of the main functional ways you can, you can express that responsibility or embrace that responsibility is in the voting realm. Thanks for listening to today's episode. This was actually the very first discussion we recorded, and I hope the quality both in content and the sound quality has improved, but we thought this was still a helpful conversation in many ways to share with you. If you're interested in learning more about the topics we discussed, don't forget to check the show notes for links to those resources we mentioned, as well as a few more helpful resources. And if you're able to help support the podcast, you can do that at patreon.com slash Media, and also be watching there for the rabbit trails that we go on uh, from this conversation. And if you have any questions for us at all, you can email us at terminmedia at protonmail.com. Thanks again, and until next time, Godspeed. <laughs>